Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week, we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. a sermon this morning. <laughs> I don't think there's any way I can get through with it. John chapter 15 is where we're at. The title of my message is Friends. And in John chapter 15, there's a little portion of scripture. How many of you have read John chapter 15 lately? Three people. Okay, three people have read John chapter 15 lately. Go home this afternoon, sometime this week, read John chapter 15. If they ever come to take our Bibles and pray to God they don't, I'm going to beg John chapter 15 to tear it out and take it with me. It is probably my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. It is so chock full of, of Jesus and everything about him, and it is just so awesome in so many different ways. Fact is, I think we could just get up here and read the chapter of John chapter 15 and we could say we had church and we could go home, but we're going to talk about it a little bit. But in John chapter 15, beginning in verse 12, Jesus says this, this is my commandment. Now you remember in another gospel, in another place, he's, uh, he's asked the question, what's the most important commandment that there is? What is the most important thing that we need to keep? And of course, they're referring to the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, and they're referring to which one of those Ten Commandments is superior to them all. And Jesus doesn't give the answer they're looking for, but what he says is, this is the most important commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like unto it, and that is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now here in John's Gospel, this, this kind of all rolled up into one, and making the assumption that we're going to love God. But he said, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. And how many, how long could we stay right there? <laughs> I mean, if we start talking about how we're, we need to love each other as Christ loved us. So many things, I mean, we, we could stay there for a long time. Love one another not shove one another. Amen? Love one another as I have loved you. And he goes on, verse 13, and he said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, this is before he died on the cross, so he's, uh, he's, he's being prophetic about his death from the standpoint of this is how much I love you. No greater love could anybody have than that they would lay down their life for their friends. And he's about to lay down his life for his friends. And he calls us friends. All those years ago, when he could look through the halls of time and see us in our sin. How many of you have been sinners? Yeah, because if we're born into the human race, we're sinners. We, we're infected with sin. We're infected with the death that comes from sin from birth. The only cure to that is to know Jesus. So you think about this for a second. He looked through those halls of time, and while we were still his enemies, 
He said, I'm your friend. Wow. I don't know if that blows your mind like it does mine. To see me while I was doing all that stuff that would have disappointed him and, and, and been against his ways. He looked through those halls of time and said, that's my friend. Wow. You talk about humbling. So he goes on. And he says, you're my friends if you do what I command. In other words, the reciprocation to that is, he says, I'm going to lay down my life for you, and you're my friend if you'll just do what I say. Well, that sounds pretty easy. Sounds, yeah, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and he goes on, and he says, if you'll do that, I no longer call you slaves. You know, Paul, in a lot of places, he said, I'm a slave to Jesus Christ, or I'm a slave to the gospel. And Paul was just being very humble there, and I'm sure feeling like I was talking about feeling. It's very humbling to realize that Jesus Christ calls us friends. But he says, I no longer call you a slave. You're not working for me. And here's the deal. A master doesn't confide in his slaves. He doesn't tell them what he's thinking. He doesn't tell them his plans. He doesn't tell them his business. What he does is, he tells them what to do, and they have to wonder about what he's thinking. And he says, I'm not going to call you my workers. I'm not going to call you my slaves. You're my friends, because I've told you everything the Father has told me. Do you realize this is the biggest, longest, greatest love letter that's ever been written? That he said, because you're my friend, I'm going to tell you everything I'm thinking. I'm going to tell you how this whole thing is going to go down from beginning, in the beginning God said, and it was. Amen? To the very last amen in this Bible is him telling us what the Father's plans are. Whenever he said, if you remember, he said nobody knows the hour, the day, and the hour in which he's coming back. He said, not even angels in heaven know that. Only my Father in heaven knows that. Why? Because Jesus loves us so much. If God the Father told him when he was coming back, he would tell us. Amen? Can you think? I mean, it's just like my wife and I. We don't have secrets. We, we just, we tell each other pretty much everything. I mean, that, that's, and, and why? Because I love her. I don't want her to be surprised by something. I told her this morning, I went in there and said, just so you know, this is how much we're giving in the offering. <laughs> we're giving in the offering. I mean, and it's everything's like that. Hey, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm headed. If, if, if I, you know, I don't understand. There's some couples that don't do that. I want somebody knowing where I'm supposed to be. So if I'm light, they can go looking in the ditch and try to find me. Amen. Because something bad happened. If I'm not there on time, most of you know that I'm pretty punctual. If I'm light, something bad happened. So come looking for me. Amen. So he says, I'm going to tell you everything. I'm, you're my friend. You're not my worker. You're not my slave. I'm going to tell you everything I know. So if God the Father told him what day and hour the end was coming, hey, psst, psst, let me tell you, this is when it's happening. This is when it's going down. And sad to say, if we knew that hour and that day, this place would be packed. The Sunday before, we wouldn't have room enough for everybody. Amen? 
I'm telling you, I'm old enough and been in this thing long enough. I remember when, the, when the 1999 came, and oh my word, when the clock turns 2000, woo, this thing is going up like a bomb. And I mean, every, I, ooh, gosh, the two weeks before that, that New Year's Day, oh my goodness, the churches were full. And then when all, everything didn't stop and all the traffic lights still worked and all that stuff, everybody just went back to their normal thing. But Jesus says, I'm telling you everything I know. So in this word, he tells us everything there is to know. That's why we ought to be looking at it and studying it and figuring it out and trying to let him help us figure it out. So he goes on and he says, here's the deal. You didn't choose me. Sometimes we make an altar call more about us than more about him. Yes, you pray to prayer. Yes, you ask for the forgiveness of your sins. But why? Because of the knowledge of him. And he said, even before the foundation of the world, that he was the lamb that was slain. And he knew who would make that decision. His, I mean, when you start thinking about what God knows, <laughs> I mean, it will blow your mind. Because here's the thing, he knows it all, and he's already got it all figured out. And there's not anything that you're going to surprise him with. Not anything that, that you might tell him that he's going to go, oh, for real? Because he already knew it. You're not going to surprise him. When you confess your deepest, darkest secret that you've ever had, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what he's going to say. So he goes on, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to what? Go, not to, not to sit, not to stay, to go and produce lasting fruit. In other words, whatever we do in the name of the Lord is going to be forever. It's going to be forever fruit. And he says, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So ultimately, it comes down to this. Sometimes that, that's a, a little a little line that gets misused. Anything that we're asking in his name to further the kingdom, okay? Whatever you're going to ask, whatever it is that's going to further the kingdom, he's going to give it. And this, verse 17, this is my command, love each other. He called us his friends. Title of the message this morning, friends. Let's pray. We'll get into the message. Father, thank you for calling us friends. And Lord, it does absolutely blow our minds at how much you love us, how much you care about us. And Lord, the great things that you've got in store for us. And Lord, we're just looking forward to that day by day as it unfolds before us. Lord, we thank you and thank you for the fact that really and truly we will live with you forever. And we are looking forward to being with you. But Lord, in the meantime, we've, we've got stuff we've got to do. We've got to carry this on. We've got to go like you told us to. So Lord, thank you for dealing with us day by day. And Lord, thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. And thank you for calling us. Again, we didn't choose you. You chose us. Thank you for choosing us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're, what we're going to do, my favorite kind of sermon and my wife's least favorite kind of sermon is an acrostic, friends. So if you are taking notes and you want to write down the, the left-hand side of your paper, F-R-I-E-N-D-S, that's, we're going to take every one of those letters in the, in the 
word friends, and we're going to talk about it for a minute. So how can we, this is the whole essence of this message, how can we, he's already called us friends, so how can we be a friend back? How can we be the person, again, friendship love is that phileo kind of love. And phileo in the original language is more considered to be a tender affection. It is uh, a friendship kind of love, if you will. And basically what it does is, unless it's reciprocated, it doesn't happen. I've used this example many times, but if you've got a friend and it's their birthday, and you go out and you choose them an awesome gift, and you give them a gift, and they're so thrilled with it, and then comes your birthday, and you get nothing. Wah, wah, wah. Okay. First time, you're going to say, hmm, maybe they didn't know it was my birthday, even though I dropped four or five hints. Amen. And they, they missed it. Maybe they forgot about it. Maybe they didn't know it was my birthday. So Christmas comes, and you get them a big Christmas gift, and you get wah, wah, wah again. What's going to happen before next year? Gift list. Their name gets marked off of it. Why? Because it's not being reciprocated. You can only be friends with somebody if it's being reciprocated. Now, agape love is the other kind of love that's mostly talked about in the Bible. And that's where you're loving somebody not because of anything they're doing. It's because you're loving them because of who they are. So ultimately, it comes down to this. What's more, which one's more important? When he says we're supposed to love, then that's agape love. you got to love them. That's a command. Love them. But what about calling somebody your friend? How many of you have family members? I've used this before, but it always seems to get a rise out of people. How many of you got family members that you see every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, every big holiday, 4th of July, if you have a family reunion and get together? You have family members, you love them, but you don't like them. Oh, yeah. So what's the difference there? They're, it's not that tender affection. You're just loving them because of who they are. They're blood kin, and yeah, hey, how you doing, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, I mean, other than two or three holidays a year, you never see them. Amen? So, ultimately, if Jesus said, I love you, I call you my beloved, versus I call you my friend, you have to sit there and say, that's pretty special. He doesn't just love me because of who I am. He really likes me. Be like Sally Field. You like me. You really, really like me. If you didn't get that joke, you will never get it. So <laughs> Kathy's laughing. She got it. <laughs> so ultimately, it comes down to this. Him liking us is really a, 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 it's a two-step process, love and like. And so he says, I love you. So you're my friends. And, and so how can we be a friend back to him? If he's already said, I'm getting you this gift, here it is, I like you, you're my friend, how can we be a friend back? F in friends is focus on what's really important. So many times in this life, we major in the minors. I mean, we get so caught up in all these things. I've said it before. The, the most pleasing thing to him was if we, as born-again believers, could put aside all of our little bitty idiosyncrasies that separate us from all the other people that claim to have Christ as their Lord and Savior. 
In John chapter 17, again, John is my favorite book. John chapter 15, my favorite chapter. But John chapter, I mean, John 17, this is the prayer that he prayed. And he said, I pray that all of my disciples would be one. He's praying to the Father, and he said, I pray that all my disciples would be one as you and I are one. I've said this many times. It's the only unanswered prayer that Jesus ever prayed that I can find in the whole entire Bible. Every other prayer that he prayed is either forthcoming and will be answered or has already been answered when he prayed for blind eyes to see and lame legs to walk and and all that stuff, that was answered right there. But he prayed that prayer. I prayed that my disciples would be one. And we find such small reasons to separate ourselves from other people that claim to have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Do you realize in the United States alone, and I'm not talking about any other, just this one for example, because I know it, do you realize that in the, in the realm of the branch on our family tree that's called Baptist, that there are over, over 80, eight zero denominations of Baptist in the U.S. alone? 80. And that's not counting all the Church of Christ and the Methodists and us that are non-denominational and all that kind of stuff. Don't you know he's just sitting up there and said, did you not understand what one means? <laughs> I'll pray that they'd be one as you and I are one to the Father. He's praying this, so it's an unanswered prayer that Jesus prayed. One day, we're not going to, it's not going to matter, amen. We're all going to be up there and we're going to be one ultimately. I think that's when maybe his prayer will be answered. But so many people, I've met people that were born-again believers that didn't think I was saved. And it's like, are you kidding? What did you do that I didn't do? Well, we believe in this mode of baptism. And I was baptized. Well, we believe you need to... Well, I did that too. Well, what about this one? Yep. Just didn't maybe do it in the way that you thought. But there was one... <laughs> we... we uh, uh, in Kentucky, when we started that church up there, I ran a quarter-page ad in the local newspaper. Newspaper ads were quite a bit cheaper up there than they are here. Uh, and, and, of course, back then, a lot of people read the newspaper. Nowadays, people just don't read the newspaper unless it's online. So I, I bought a quarter-page ad in the newspaper and put in there a picture of our church, the name of the church, and the little byline was, we're the perfect church for those who aren't. And you wouldn't believe what a rise that got out of the community. And I had one branch of our family tree that came up to me, and he said, well, we're not perfect either. <laughs> and he was the one that didn't think I was even saved. <laughs> and it's like, are you kidding? We find so many different ways to separate ourselves. Well, we believe in baptism by immersion. Well, we believe in baptism by sprinkling. We believe in baptism by pouring. So, were you baptized? That's what the Word tells us. Yeah? Okay. What else can you say? <laughs> so, ultimately, it comes down to this. We find such little things. Do, do we call communion sacraments or, or, uh, or uh, ordinances? <laughs> I went blank. Do we call it sacraments or ordinances? 
Well, it took communion. Amen. Were, were you thinking about the Lord when you did it? Yeah. Well, that's what he said do. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And we find all these little bitty things that separate us. So what we need to do as a, as a body of believers and as people in the kingdom of God is we need to focus on the things that are really, really important. And the way that I, when I talk to couples, one of the things I tell them is, you're arguing about this, maybe you got this problem and you're addressing it. Ten years from now, will it really, really, really matter? Well, No. Maybe we're arguing about discipline for the kids. Well, in 10 years, the kids are going to be pretty well grown. 10 years, it ain't going to matter. Well, yeah, maybe in 10 years, it will. Well, what about 20 years? No way. It won't matter at all. What about 50 years? We won't even remember having this argument. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> what about 100 years from now? Well, we'll be dead. Exactly. So, Hello. Why are we spending our lives worried about something that ain't going to matter? Ultimately, it comes down to this. What's going to matter is what we do for eternity. It's, it's what we do for the kingdom that's going to matter. Have we, have we gone like he told us to do? Have we done what we're supposed to do? Have we, been, have we been winning people into eternity? Focus on what's really, really important. Sometimes we get so caught up. I was a part of a church long years ago first got saved. Angie was attending a little church. I got saved, so I went with her. Little bitty church. I mean, you couldn't even fit the two center sections in the whole church. Okay, this, this center section here, it was a lot narrower and not hardly as long. I mean, if you, if you really got down to it, it had pews, and if you shoved 40 people in them pews, everybody would be sitting like this. And they got a little money gathered up, and they were going to put carpet on the floor. You remember? <laughs> And so the pastor said, I, I don't want to preside over the, over the meeting. And his, his son was the Sunday school superintendent, so by default in that church's bylaws, he was supposed to oversee the meeting. And he said, I, I don't really want to oversee this meeting. I'm the only other guy in the church. Would you preside over this meeting? I've been a believer about one year. And you know what the Bible says, don't put somebody in a position, you know, of leadership until, you know, believe me, that was one of the things that made me probably avoid leadership in the church. This church, I promise you, got into the biggest knock-down, drag-out fight over what color the carpet was going to be in a 20-foot by 30-foot sanctuary that would hold 40 people. I mean, it was such an eye-opening event early in my Christian life. It, I mean, it, it really shaped. Uh, if you notice, we don't have a lot of business meetings. That's one reason why. I'm, I mean, there has never been hardly anything good come out of a business meeting. Amen? Uh, so, so what we do is we've got elders at this church that are set up. They're, they're voted in by you guys. And ultimately... They make the decisions, myself and them, we make decisions that we feel like is in God's will and the best for this congregation. And you know what? I think everybody likes it that way because I hadn't heard anybody say anything like, when are we going to have a business meeting? And, and ultimately it comes down to this. Why do we major in the minors when Jesus says major in the majors and what is the major? Love each other. 
Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for each other. And, 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 and I mean, that's, that's why we make some of the decisions we make around here. That's the reason why, after this service, we're going to have that little short meeting about a safety team. I want it to where nobody will have to lay down their life for somebody else. Amen? And, and I don't know if any of y'all heard it. Toledo Bend Baptist Church had somebody come to church last week with a gun. It got hemmed off by somebody with the gun. And it, it didn't present itself to be any kind of problem. And then you had the El Paso thing, and I think there's been one in Ohio overnight or sometime yesterday. Like, this is a crazy world that we live in. And you know what? Our presence in this world is supposed to make a difference by one thing, how we love. Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have more business meetings. No, no, that's not it. Let me guarantee you that's not it. Uh, and by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have stained glass and spires all over the building. No, that's not what he said. And by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have a big fancy cross somewhere in the sanctuary. No, that wasn't it either. By this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. If you read the history of the early church, it was not... There's, there's hardly anything about the early century preaching. There's very little things you can find other than what, what is recorded in our Bible. There's no sermons. They didn't have cassettes back then or even eight tracks. They, it, there's nothing that you can hardly find about a sermon. But what makes a difference and what people still talk about today is how much they loved one another. And their love extended in so many different directions that it is so hard sometimes for us to even calculate how many facets there would be to it. In that day and time, it was a patriarchal society. And so your firstborn son was your social security. Your firstborn son was the person who was, whenever you got to be 50, 60 years old and your body was wore out, you would stay home, you and your wife, as a, as a husband, my, me and Angie would stay home and watch the kids. The son would go out and make a living. And he would therefore take care of us, and most of them lived in the same home or at least nearby, and so it was Social Security. That was your retirement. So they couldn't afford to just have kids out, you know, just numerous kids. So what they would do was, if they had a little girl child, they would sometimes kill them. A lot of times what they would do, rather than just kill them outright, is they would take them down to the seashore or out into the woods and leave them and let them die of exposure so that they could try again to have a little boy that would be their social security. These were pagan people. Sometimes we judge them really harshly, but they didn't really know better. That was just the way they did things. Well, because the Christians couldn't get public jobs because there was such persecution against them, most of them were shepherds or farmers of some sort. So what they would do on their way to take their sheep out to the links to, to graze or on their way back in, they would purposefully go by the edge of the woods. And listen, and if they heard a baby crying, they'd go find it, and they'd bring it home. And it would inevitably be a little girl. 
They'd go down to the seashore and walk, and they'd find a little kid in a basket dying of exposure. Be a little girl. Within one generation, the church had an explosion of girls. And the world system, because they were patriarchal and they were looking for that little boy, all of a sudden there was a plethora of little boys. And the little boys looked at the little girls and said, hmm, I'd like to have her as wife. And the dad had taken this girl in, raised her as his own from an infant, so she was his little girl. And so what they would do is say, uh-uh. You got to have salvation, not just galvation. Amen? And so therefore, the boys would all come and they would get saved because they were attending church, heard the gospel, made a decision, changed their life, and all of a sudden, that's why the church grew from... A handful, and I mean a handful of people. On the day of Pentecost, it was 120 people in that upper room. One, two, zero. 120 people, not about the same thing we've got here. Time we count the kids and everything this morning. And they changed the world. 120 people changed the world. How? Because they loved. If they hadn't loved people and loved, went out and, and kept these kids from dying, the church then doubled. So much so that in just a few years, when Constantine was the emperor, it behooved him, not because he was such a good Christian, to make Christianity the world religion, the Roman Empire religion, but it was because it behooved him because it had grown by so much. More than half of the population was Christian. We can change our world. Just us, just in this room, if we'll get on fire for Jesus. If we'll go and do what he said do. If we'll put him first. If we'll be his friend. And yes, Brother Philip only got one point out of F-R-I-E-N-D-S. I got F. So just keep, that, keep up with that note and we'll tend to it next week. But here's the thing. We got to think about being a friend. Amen. Jesus already said, you're my friends. I don't call you workers. I don't call you slaves. I call you my friend. And I've told you everything the Father has told me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, as we thank you for calling us your friends, as we thank you for what you've done in our lives, we thank you for the awesome things that you've got in store. We are looking forward to being with you one day, but while we're here, you've got work for us to do. Would you show us the people that we're to go to? Would you show us the things that we're supposed to do while we're here? And Lord, it's very, very simple. We just need to go tell somebody about you. That's that boiled down as simple as it gets. We need to tell somebody about you. Lord, help us to do that every day, not just on Sundays, not just on the weekends, but every day. While every head's still bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, maybe you're saying, hey, Preacher, I, I, I don't know that I've been doing what Jesus called me to do. But I want to. I want to make things right with him. I, I, want, to, I want to take care of any problems there might be. I want him to call me friend. And, and I don't want there to be anything in between us. So maybe it's something little. Maybe it's something really big that you just say, I need to make it right with the Lord today. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call your name. I see that hand. I see that hand. 
anyone else very quickly. Not going to embarrass you. Not going to call your name or call you up front. Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else very quickly? You can just slip it up and back down. We're going to pray in just a minute. Anybody else? I need to make something right with the Lord today before I leave this place. Let's pray. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this. Mean it from your heart. And you know what? The Lord's listening. So pray, you can pray something like this. There's, this is not a formula. It's not an ABC one, two, three. But you can pray something like this. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you that every day your mercy is new toward me. Lord, I've blown it. So many times that I've lost count. But Lord, I know that you love me. So would you forgive me? For all those things that I've done that would displease you, all that, all those times I've missed it, all the times I've sinned, if we want to call it that. And Lord, would you help me not to be there again? I want to change my mind. And I want my mind on you. So Lord, would you help me to walk every day closer to you? Lord Jesus, thank you for what you did. That sacrifice that you made for me because I'm your friend. You said no greater love has anyone than this, that they'd lay down their life for their friends. And you call me friend. Thank you.